he met the Warren Buffett of Japan, whose name is Wahei Takeda, and he's passed away since then. But he was this massive figure in Japan, just the way Warren Buffett is here. And he had said when he was alive that he would only invest in companies that were grateful companies where the CEO and all of the employees, so the executive team, the employees, everybody, he would tell them that they had to be thankful 1,000 times per day. Welcome to the Gratitude Podcast on www.georgeandbenta.com, where you'll hear a new story each week that will inspire more gratitude in your own life. Our mission is to inspire 100,000 people to discover how to feel gratitude and live a happy life through the amazing life stories of our successful guests and their actionable tips. And now, the host of our podcast, George and Benta. Hi, Gratitude Seeker. Welcome to a new episode of the Gratitude Podcast. Today with me, I have Danielle Town. She's the author of the New York Times bestseller, Invested, How Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger Taught Me to Master My Mind, My Emotions, and My Money, with a little help from my dad. I love the title of the book, and I'm really curious where it can lead us uh, and how it relates to gratitude, because as you know, on the podcast, we talk a lot about emotions, about our mind, and um, also a little bit about money and how, how we can enjoy more prosperity, uh, financial prosperity, but also emotional prosperity. Danielle, welcome to the Gratitude Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. So uh, let us know a little bit about yourself. I know you have a really interesting story and uh, I would really love our listeners to know more about you. Well, I'm thrilled to be here on your show because to me, gratitude, thankfulness, appreciation are absolutely essential to growing wealth in so many ways in our life, including the money kind of wealth, but also all the other emotional, mental, familial kinds of wealth that we all want. And that's where I was a few years ago. I was, uh, I was bereft of many of those things. I was a, um, a corporate lawyer in Boulder, Colorado in the U.S. And I actually loved what I did. I worked with startups and venture capitalists and adored my clients and got to be part of this great entrepreneurial ecosystem out in Boulder. But I was working at a big law firm and I was working big law firm hours and I was just getting exhausted and burnt out and physically sick. I started to get fevers out of the blue and my hair was falling out in clumps and I was just a complete mess. I started throwing up randomly. So I had some money coming in from my job. I mean, I had a good salary and I owned my own house, but I was miserable and... I was in many ways not grateful for what I had at that time. And I was mm-hmm. talking to my dad about it, who is an investor. He's written two best-selling books about investing and he has his own hedge fund. And, and I've always heard about investing from him, but had never really gotten into it. I was always afraid of money stuff. I just didn't want to touch it. I didn't want to screw up. I didn't want to lose my own money. And that's what we're all worried about. So I finally started talking to him about money and investing just out of pure desperation, honestly. And I realize now, looking back, 
this was the universe saying to me, get your head out of your, (laughs) out of your whatever. And, and look around and notice, you know, how great life can be. So I finally did that um, by talking to my dad about it. And that's how I got into this whole money stuff and the gratitude that is connected to money. Wow, this is wonderful. I was actually thinking about uh, life in general and how we uh, how we think about it. Like we don't know, like most of us, we have no idea what we're doing. Like um, the fact that we've never been through this life to know to have the kind of experience to know how to make the best decisions mm. we we don't know how the future will be and even if we we have some uh some great ideas for from our parents um it's still something new that's that's going to come and we still have to make our own decisions and it's uh it's really exciting on on one part and it's really um can make you really anxious on the other part because you you don't know what's the best uh, road to take and uh, the best choice to make and I, I think it's uh, a really interesting perspective and of course talking to our parents and seeking wisdom and um, experience that we know that has been proven through through the ages is an important part of the process definitely. Yeah, I think what you said about how we don't know how the future will be and we're just making our way through this life doing the best we can. I think that's such a beautiful comment because, yes, there's so much anxiety that comes from that, but also hopefully some excitement and, you know, interest in learning new things and um, and 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 the beauty of the unknown that can come out of the future. And I know I had tried a number of times to get interested in money stuff and investing because it's kind of like what you're supposed to do you're sort of supposed to know about these things as you become a Mm grown-up but they don't teach it to us in school we're actually we feel like we should know but there's actually no reason for us to know it's kind of this ridiculous um, quandary that we find ourselves in which is what forces us often into turning our money over to so-called financial professionals, um, many of whom are wonderful and some of whom are not so wonderful. Mm -hmm. And we actually don't even have the skills to know the difference. That's the problem. So what happened for me was, as you said, we don't know what's coming in the future. And I think looking back, I, at those times that I tried to learn investing and tried to sort of get into it with my dad, um, was the wrong time. And I was trying to learn it his way. He and I are very different. It comes very naturally to him. And he loves numbers and math and financial statements. And I do not. (laughs) So, So me trying to learn it his way really didn't work. And it wasn't until this time a few years ago when I sat down with him and really started talking to him and I realized I'm actually going to have to learn this my own way. I'm going to take the knowledge he gives me, which comes from Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, two of the greatest investors ever, who um, who learned from their teacher, Benjamin Graham. And now my dad has been teaching about this kind of long-term value investing and then taught it to me. And I have developed my own 
methods of doing the same kind of investing, but in a way that works for me. And that's been an incredibly exciting part of this whole process that, um, as you said, has been like the exciting part of figuring out the future for me. (laughs) That's amazing. That's amazing. The thing is that whether we think about the future or not, it's still going to happen. And uh, fortunately, we will actually get to experience it. We will get to survive and to uh, to enjoy it one way or another. Mm-hmm. And it's much better to prepare for it before it actually happens and it catches you by surprise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the worry. I used to have an old boyfriend who used to say to me, let's just live in the moment and live in the present And I would kind of think, so I tried that for a while because I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And I sort of realized that that meant I was never prepared for anything down the line. And that actually made me unhappy. So I think it's a yin and yang. It's a, a little bit of living in the moment and mindfulness and being present right now. And at the same time, noticing that being happy now adds is 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 added to by thinking about the future and preparing about the future and having some peace of mind about what that future is going to look like yeah exactly for me for instance um having a percentage of my income uh, put aside actually got me to to feel much happier and much more grateful knowing that i have a sense of security because um since I don't have a fixed income each and every month, it it can be really um, really hard to to keep on track and to be okay with the situation, knowing that you don't have uh, something that you can count on the next month. And it's and uh, on the other side, when you when you do have something, it's. It makes you feel safe, it makes you feel secure, and it makes you think about other things that are important as well. But getting back to to, to gratitude. I agree. I mean, I just have to say I completely agree. (laughs) And I had none of that a few years ago. Um, And I discovered, to get back to gratitude, I discovered that this method of focusing on investing, this method of learning about markets and investing in money actually added so much to my life that was more than just the money stuff. And I think that for me, as somebody who's not naturally drawn to this stuff, is so incredibly important to make me stick with it. Because I'm not going to continue with something that I don't enjoy. I'm just not. I'm (laughs) way too busy. And I've got a lot of other stuff that I would like to be doing. And if something doesn't add value to my life, except in this sort of far off imaginary future retirement kind of way, I'm probably not going to continue with it. That's just me. But the great thing about this kind of long-term investing practice, which is how I see it as a practice that there is not really a goal at the end. There's no end point. It's about the experience as I go through it. Um, it has added so much value to my life in ways I never imagined when I first started this whole thing. And the gratitude that one feels as you go through this practice is extraordinary. 
I, I can imagine. And uh, I'm sure that if you're in a situation, for instance, where, where you have a, a job that you don't particularly like or that actually gets you very exhausted and you feel that it's the only option, like you have to stay there because you don't have any money put aside or you, you don't have any investments, mm -hmm. that can really, uh, really make you feel bad and it doesn't really add to, to gratitude and to the pleasure oh, of being it's alive. It's a terrible situation. And so many of us are in that situation. So, so many of us. And we just think it's normal because that's how everybody is. And it's not normal. And there is a way out. And it's a way that actually is not painful. It's actually a great way um, that that leads to so many cool connections between what's in our daily lives. I, I feel like I should tell you guys what kind of investing I'm talking about here. Um, so it's Warren Buffett long-term investing, which means that according to Charlie Munger, who's Warren Buffett's investing partner and has been for 60, 70 years, um, they're quite old, they're in their 90s, hmm. um, the way you look at companies is, first of all, you don't look at them as stocks. You look at them as whole companies that are being run by real people. And for me, that humanizes it. That makes it completely different than this sort of bloodless, financial, mysterious world. It turns it into something where, you know, just looking around right now, I see my phone. I have an iPhone that's made by the company Apple. Okay, that's a company that I can understand, actually. and know what they make and have a sense of whether or not I like what they do. So that's the first principle is you understand the company. Simple. And for a company you don't understand, which is many, you just throw it out. We don't have to try to understand companies that are too hard. Warren Buffett actually has a box on his desk with a big label that says too hard to remind him, <laughs> even as the world's greatest investor, there are companies that are too hard for him. So of course there are companies that are too hard for me. Probably 95% of companies out there are too hard for me. But that still leaves a lot of companies that I can understand. So that's principle number one. And I go through these principles in my book, Invested, very clearly and in great detail. The second one is for us to make sure that that company has what we call a moat, which means just like a moat around a castle, it's an intrinsic and durable competitive advantage. So it's hard for any other companies to compete with that company, which gives me a great feeling of safety. Because if I'm investing in a company that's going to be hard for other companies to take over or compete with, then my money is going to be safe for a number of years. And that's a good thing. And then the third thing is that Charlie says we would like to have management with integrity and talent, which I really enjoy because he says we would like to have it as opposed to we have to have it. And the reason for that is, of course, we would like to have it, but we can't always predict what humans are going to do. Humans True. are kind of nuts and <laughs> we often can't figure things out just from reading articles about them. And often as small investors, we're never going to meet the CEOs of these companies. So I love that they acknowledge that it's a total possibility that we could get some terrible CEO running this company. And yet the company has to be able to not only withstand that person, but be able to bounce back and do better going forward. Otherwise, we do not invest. So again, it's such a huge safety measure.
And then the last thing, another safety measure is we only buy it at a very low price that has a margin of safety built in so that even if I'm wrong about the price, which I probably will be because as I said, I'm quite bad with math and financial statements and numbers. So I can get a good ballpark, but I'm probably going to be a little bit off. And then I just buy it at half the price that I've found, which gives me a huge 50% margin of safety. And then I add a final fifth principle to those, which is mission. I only want to be involved in companies that are doing things I support in the world and that are not doing things I don't support. I don't want to be in any companies that are hurting animals or putting antibiotics in, in our food or spreading pesticides or, for me, hurting the environment. And different people will have different principles. And that's the point. We all should be voting with our money for companies that are doing things we want to support. And then just like voting at the ballot box, we see what comes out of that. If we were all doing that, we could make a huge difference in these markets. So those five principles are so beautifully designed to protect us as small investors who are investing our own money to the point that doing so has given me this completely different view of the world around me. Like I now look around and I see fascinating companies run by really interesting people that I get to go learn about. I get to go learn about the tech industry or I get to go learn about privacy after the Facebook news comes out or I get to go, excuse me, I get to go learn about cars because there's been Fiat Chrysler news out lately. And I just love this addition to my life. It has opened things up so much and changed the way I look at the world. That that's so important because this is this is how we live life by uh, seeing the world in a certain way. By the way, how do you see gratitude? Oh, it's it was one of the first things my dad taught me when he started talking about investing, which really surprised me because wow. I didn't connect them at all. Um, but he, so let me think where to start. First of all, gratitude has always been in my life because I grew up um, in a meditation community. I learned meditation from my parents when I was very young. I was five years old. (laughs) And so there's always been a sense of, you know, the, the history of meditation and of transcendence and of this experience that is beyond our physical world. That said... There's all this stuff out there about how we should all be so grateful all the time. And quite frankly, I always felt a little bit fake about it. Like I wasn't Mm -hmm. doing it right or like, oh, I was in a bad mood. So I wasn't thankful at that moment. So, oh, I screwed up and I did it wrong. And, you know, it's a little, it can be a little bit tough. And so I kind of let go of that whole gratitude, gratefulness, feeling like I needed to do that until my dad sat me down, we were talking about investing. And he said that when he went to Japan a few years earlier, before we had this conversation, he met the Warren Buffett of Japan, whose name is Wahei Takeda, and he's passed away since then. But he was this massive figure in Japan, just the way Warren Buffett is here. And he had said when he was alive that he would only invest in companies that were 
grateful companies where the CEO and all of the employees, so the executive team, the employees, everybody, he would tell them that they had to be thankful 1,000 times per day, 1,000 times a day. And I heard this and I said, there's no way. That's (laughs) physically impossible. What else would you do all day? (laughs) Exactly. But the point, so let's assume they were grateful 100 times a day. Here's what Wahei Takeda told my dad when they met. He said, he told him about this thousand times a day requirement. And he said, if they refuse to do it, I pulled my money out of the company. Wow. So it wasn't, it wasn't about reaching the thousand times number. It wasn't, it wasn't about creating some sort of false thankfulness in a company. It was about making sure that he was putting his money into great companies run by great people who had the same values that he did. Mm. That's the lesson. And my dad told me that story and I thought, oh my gosh, this thankfulness, this gratefulness that Wahei Takeda requires of the companies he invests in, that's something we can do in our own investing practices. I can make sure that I... First of all, if I'm feeling afraid, if I'm freaking out about doing an investment, which happens to me all the time, (laughs) then I can take that, I can notice what's happening, be mindful of it, be grateful for feeling it, and determine whether or not that's a real instinct that I should follow or whether it's just some fear that I need to work out. And the gratefulness helps me kind of shift it. And then secondly, to make sure I'm grateful that I can invest in X, Y, or Z company. Is it something I really want to be a part of? Is this a company I want to stamp my name on publicly? And when you start thinking about companies like that and that you're going to be a part of them for a number of years, maybe 10 years is how my dad taught me to look at it. So a very long time. This is not day trading. This is not speculating. This is full-on long-term investing. When you think about it like that, it turns that investment from something where you're kind of guessing to where you have to be certain before you move any money. And the gratefulness is the linchpin of that. It's really extraordinary. Wow. I've I've seen this myself. Uh, and that's why I believe that in so many things in our life, uh, the way we uh, manage our emotions it, it's it's just very important because we have all kinds of tendencies and we th- we think that we are rational beings and there there's actually a book called predictably irrational mm. and this is how we are actually we think we are rational and we make decisions with with our minds but there are so many emotions going on inside of us that probably we don't we are not aware of or we just ignore and uh that, that that's why i believe and it's been my experience as well that gratitude is very helpful in these situations to like you said to be to become aware of um whether or not it's it's an instinct it's something that we we should listen to or if or if it's just fear or or something that uh isn't helpful is just uh something that is protecting us against something that 
probably won't happen, but uh, our brain just wants to protect us. And it's so, so interesting. Tell us a little bit about emotions and uh, money. Oh, it is a fascinating subject. And I've been now working on it essentially since I started learning about investing because my dad, as I mentioned, is very different from me. And he genuinely feels zero fear around investing. Uh, He's an ex-army guy. And to him, if nobody's shooting at him, there's nothing to be afraid of. Whereas (laughs) I'm a typical, you know, never been in the military, never like total first world protected, like rich girl problems situation. Mm -hmm. And sitting there, you know, in my fancy law firm, (laughs) wondering what to do with my excess funds. I mean, like things are as good as they can possibly be, right? But we still have to decide what to do with our excess funds. And as part of that process, there are so many old emotions that can get in the way. I just gave a TEDx talk, actually, which isn't out on the internet yet, unfortunately, but it should be in the next month or so, about the old family stuff that I was carrying with me that I think actually held me back from learning about what to do with my money earlier. Mm-hmm. I, um, My parents... So I let me back up a little bit. I had no clue why I had not really gotten into investing, except that it was just, I wasn't interested in money. I wasn't interested in numbers. You know, that's enough. That's most of us. Yeah. And then once we started talking, my dad and I, we got about halfway through our year of investing practice. And my book, Invested, is organized in the course of a year. Each chapter is one month. And there's a practice at the end of each month. So as you go through the book, you can practice along with me and and learn how to do your own investing. And so I was going along with my practices and about halfway through, I just realized I wasn't 100% into it and I couldn't really figure out why. It seemed fine. It seemed interesting enough. I was focused on being thankful and I still just couldn't quite get there. And I actually sat down and just tried to think about what was keeping me back. And it really didn't take very much, which is rather extraordinary as a 35-year-old woman who had never gotten into this stuff, that as soon as I sat down and tried to figure it out, the answer came. My parents had gotten divorced when I was 11. And I, of course, went through that and we went through a lot of stuff after that and we had dealt with it as a family. What I had never put together was the money part of that divorce. Mm. So what I realized as I sat down in that chair, I realized that what had happened was that my dad had left and he took the money with him. Now, he came back when he realized that that is what he had done to his kids and my parents went through a divorce war like anybody else does for a while. And then they finally actually fired their lawyers and got in a room and just worked things out and mm-hmm. um, didn't get back together. But they worked out the divorce stuff and the money stuff mm-hmm. and um, and now are, are very close. And my dad, of course, took care of us in every way, including financially. So I'm not um, throwing him under the bus here at all. He did everything well. But 
as an 11-year-old, what I experienced was that, was that my dad left and he took the money with him. And I had never, ever thought about that part of that experience until I sat there. And I realized that I didn't trust my dad around money, which is nuts because he is a nationally known expert on investing Exactly, does very well. So this is, this is logically silly mm-hmm. and that doesn't matter because emotionally for me, it was happening. So it was yeah. something I had to deal with, even though on the outside, it didn't make any sense. And I went through this process of coming to terms with it. I ended up having to talk to him about it a lot. Um, we like we talked about stuff that we had never talked about related to the divorce, and I, I put it all in the book, and it was really tough a lot of the time. I'm sure. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, this stuff comes so deep. But then now that I've been talking to people about it, and this is what my TEDx talk was about, I've been talking to people about this experience. I find that the moment I talk about it, we all know exactly what kind of relationship to money we have from when we were kids. We know how we were taught about money. We know how it was talked about. We know how our parents or whoever raised us had it around and whether or not they had it or not, how they dealt with it. And those experiences, no matter what it is, rich, poor, in the middle, it doesn't matter. Those experiences shape us as adults and the emotions are what hold us back from the power, the incredible power that our money has. And we are not using it. We're just not. We give it up to other people. We abdicate that power because of these old emotions. So I hope that we will, we collectively will start to become more engaged with our emotions around money. And I've been teaching people now about this stuff. And it's really cool to see people come through these problems. I call it getting over the hump. Like just mm-hmm. getting just getting over the hump, you know, just noticing what happened to us, remembering what happened to us, acknowledging it, being mindful of it. And yes, being grateful for it. I think it's incredibly important. These are experiences that shaped us, that made us who we are. Not mm-hmm. everything is good all the time, but it got us to where we are today, to where we're even sitting here listening to this podcast of yours, this wonderful podcast, thinking about gratitude and about how we can change our lives. And that's a beautiful thing. I totally agree. And I think it's it's an important part that we should consider um, before getting into invest, investing and everything, because this is where our fears may come from. Like, for instance, in my case, uh, my parents lived most of their lives under the communist regime Mm. and uh, things were taken care of like they didn't have to think about investments or they just knew they that that they had the pension and that's it and also after um, 1990 um, when the communist regime fell uh, there was a lot of um, confusion regarding money and nobody knew what was happening and um, the value of money was very different because uh, many things have changed 
in in uh, in that period and making no decisions about money and about investments or the future was their decision you know and uh huge. i've seen myself huge yeah i've seen myself do 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 the same thing and it was very interesting to see that and to to notice how how hard it was for me to to choose something different because it it felt unfamiliar you know yeah of course it was hard of course it was that was how you learned without even realizing that you were learning and i think it's very cool actually that you even have noticed it and been aware of that shift in yourself and yeah, well i'm pretty passionate about this kind of things so I know, uh, and I like to to research uh, these things because I think they have great power on us if we if we are not aware of them, and um, we we can get our power back if we realize uh, what we're doing it and what is very very similar to what our parents have been doing, and uh, this can empower us to make new decisions and hopefully better ones. Exactly. There's so much good stuff that comes from our family tradition for you knowing what your parents went through and what they sacrificed to create a life for you. And now you having the opportunity to create all the things that you're creating and live a different kind of life. And at the same time, being aware of those things that you learned just through osmosis that may have held you back for a little bit. I know it's the same for me, like my family history, as with many Americans, I'm American, um, is that of immigrants to the U.S. and huge sacrifice and poverty coming to the U.S. to create a better life for their families. And within only a few generations, my family has changed so much from those early, early um, initial immigrants. And so... I have that in my tradition and at the same time had this negative experience with divorce, which so many of us have. So I have both of those things, just like you have both of those things and knowing and being aware. And again, being grateful for, for both sides of that is really important so that you can move forward. And as you said, use the power that our money has. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because when we we appreciate the the fact that whatever happened got us to where we are today, we can make new choices and we can be responsible for for our life and for what is going to happen in the future as well. And I, I think that's that's really important. But I also wanted to to ask you if you could go back in time and you can you could talk with your younger self about gratitude. What would you say? Oh, you know, when I think back, I think about, I think back to, I don't know what age you're asking exactly, but what I think of is me as, as quite young. And mm -hmm. I remember a lot of anxiety and I wish that I would, I could let her know that looking around, taking a moment, not having to have everything be perfect, being grateful for things not being so perfect as an opportunity to learn, as an opportunity to change. 
that's what I would let her know about. But it's something I still remind myself about now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can totally relate because especially when we are young, we we think we need to be better or to do better or to be at a higher level in different uh, areas of life. And we we tend to take this in, in our uh, adult life as well. And we see that time is passing and uh, we're not actually enjoying life and we're not actually enjoying the level that we are at today. Mm. Yeah, I think the really cool thing about a gratefulness practice is that grounding in the moment that it gives you. There's no way to do it and not notice where you are right now and what you're experiencing and how life is. And just, just taking those three seconds, it, it just puts you right there. And you, you lose that future and you lose that past. And it just feels very steadying to me. Exactly, exactly. Because, of course, it's important to have goals. It's important to look into the future and also into the past to, to get back even more of your uh, power, to, to empower yourself even more. Um, but the present moment, like right now, what's happening, where you are in your life, <laughs> there is this, this thing, you're not getting any younger. So uh, you're at the youngest as as like you're at your youngest right now when it comes <laughs> to to this moment to this period of your life and uh it's amazing to to acknowledge that and to appreciate that and to be in the moment and to realize that there are many things that can be fixed yeah in your life but there are so many things that are just amazing so well, which by the way is quite hard to do sometimes when you're investing money in stock markets that's going <laughs> crazy and, and i'm sitting here talking about gratefulness and how amazing everything and people are going okay yeah what happens when the market crashes 500 points and i would say that is the time to be grateful and there are first of all just as you said it grounds you in the moment so that you're not freaking out like everybody else and then secondly we're grateful because then we can buy companies at a lower price which is so awesome so there are so many elements to this kind of investing practice and the gratefulness is so woven in at every moment exactly exactly because our uh, instincts, our, um, how, how should I put it? Like our reptilian brain mm -hmm. kicks in mm -hmm. and it wants to act or, you know, fight or flight. It wants to do something about it or just take the money and run away. And when we get to our, um, to, the, to the next level, to the uh, more advanced level of our brain, we can we can do that through gratitude and it can be really helpful. And I also believe that thinking long-term in combination with being present, that's a funny thing actually uh, is really helpful because mm -hmm. it's, it's the only way we, we can actually get great results in life. If we are present, if we are appreciating the journey, but also if we think, about the future and we think long term and we we build things that last 
and um, that can actually enhance our present, our near and uh, further away future. I couldn't agree more. I think both are vital. And never in a million years would I have thought that learning about investing would create a mastery practice, but it has. And most people who think of investing think only of that planning for the future part of it and not at all about the present uh, groundedness. And most people who are interested in present groundedness never think about planning for the future and money stuff. They're seen as very separate and yet they are connected and they are connected in a way that is unlike anything else. And I think we desperately need both to be happy in our lives. Exactly, exactly. And this happens at whatever level we are at. Like if we if we are unhappy that we don't have a plane yet of our own, or if we just uh, want to have like, I don't know, uh, a small house somewhere, it's it's still the same thing basically uh, like we we don't have to be uber rich or uh, really poor to to make to choose these two things and the the beautiful part is that if we do choose uh, to to connect and to go uh, forward with these two things it it can really get us to where we want to to get and to be in a state of much uh, abundance and prosperity. Absolutely. So um, I I wanted to ask you something before, but I didn't want to interrupt. Um, Do you have like um, a practice that you do that helps you to be more grateful? Well, yeah, I think I've described it. Um, It's generally every day, (laughs) at -hmm. least once, probably multiple times, I take a moment and I notice what I'm grateful for. And I particularly, oh, I don't think I've said this part yet. I particularly notice what my problems are and I try to turn them around so that I can be grateful for them. Which, as I said earlier, I felt a bit fake about this, um, about sort of forced gratefulness. And so I found that doing this, looking for the stuff that that's hard to be grateful for, that maybe I'm not actually grateful for. Like, let's say I have a cold today. So, okay, I don't really want to have a cold. That's not something I'm actually grateful for. But let me think how I can shift it and turn it around so that it is something I could at least have a tiny bit of genuine, not fake, thankfulness. And maybe it's that I got a little rest. It was an excuse to just get a little rest. I didn't do my workout today. And instead, I sat on the couch and read a book for half an hour. And that felt really nice. And it was because of the cold. Okay, it's not a great thing. But it's something. It's something to notice. It's something that shifts that energy a little bit so that it's not all dark and down and draggy. It's it's a little bit lighter and it's a little bit happier and it's a little bit of perspective on the situation that I didn't have 10 seconds ago. So that's what I try to do regularly as a specific gratefulness practice. I love that. I love that. And I think it's particularly powerful because 
on uh, the opposite side of this, for instance, um, I was thinking about the fact that if we are very critical with ourselves, for instance, we have that inner critic that's always there, that's always nagging us. Um, it's something that we carry around whether we are rich or poor and we still suffer from it. But uh, having this kind of habit uh, helps us wherever we are, like in whatever situation we are in. And we have it with us all the time. And I think that this is very, very powerful. Yes. Regardless of situation, regardless of bank account, it's a technique that applies to absolutely every life situation. Exactly, exactly. So we're nearing the end of our time together. And I wanted to ask you, who are the people in your life that made the difference and that you're very grateful for that you would like to mention? Oh, what a beautiful question. Well, I'm incredibly, incredibly grateful to the tradition of investors who has brought me through this process of learning about investing to, to my own father and to me and now me writing this book and it frankly changing my entire life in a rather extraordinary, shocking way. So those are the ones I've mentioned before, which is Benjamin Graham and Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger and my dad, Phil Town. Um, really, it's without them spending the time to teach people about this kind of investing, I would not be here connecting mindfulness and gratitude to stock markets of all things. <laughs> there is no way. And they didn't have to do that. They could have just done their thing and made their millions and never told anybody much about what they were doing. But they are extraordinary and have made it, I think their life mission is, is how I would describe it, even more than success in markets and with money is to tell people about this kind of deep value investing into people's ideas and endeavors and trying to change the world. And I think the way they speak about it and write about it has changed the way I hope our capitalist system works going forward. And, um, and I hope I can be a small part of that. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So where can our audience find you? Where can our audience see your work? Um, you can find about what I'm doing at daniellettown.com, my website. And I have a newsletter on there that if you go scroll to the bottom and sign up for the newsletter, you'll get my free monthly newsletter about my investing practice. I don't send it out too often. I'm not going to inundate your email, but um, it's a good way to keep up on what I'm doing and get some sense of this investing practice and connecting it to gratefulness um, and and mastery overall. Um, so go ahead and sign up for that. And then I've got a, a bunch of other stuff on there, online courses, and um, and my book is on there and various articles I've written. So daniellettown.com is the place to go. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here with us on the Gratitude Podcast. It has been a real pleasure. It has been so fun to chat with you about this. And thank you for everything you're doing. I think it's wonderful. Thank you. My pleasure. 
Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. Help us reach our goal of inspiring 100,000 people by sharing this podcast with your loved ones, with your Facebook friends. And if you loved this episode, please write a review on iTunes.